Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Piper, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank all of you for joining us today in your favorite radio station. And thank you also for joining us every week on America's Land Auctioneer. We certainly do appreciate it. It's good to be with you today. I'm alone in studio today. There's a number of things I want to cover with you today. And remember, like always, this is a hopefully a learning show, a learning podcast. And also a reminder, too, if you uh, haven't been able to listen to a few of our broadcasts over the course of the last couple of months, that you can listen to all of our archives. You can go to our podcasts at either Spotify or Apple. And all you need to do is go to pifers.com, click onto our radio banner at pifers.com, and you can go through the whole inventory of podcasts of all the different subjects and topics that we've covered over the course of the last couple of years since we've been doing our show America's Land Auctioneer, talking about everything having to do with land. And today I'm going to cover a whole variety of different things today. Uh, A number of you have called in and emailed us over the last couple of months asking different questions about land ownership, for instance, and how you should own land and estate planning. In fact, I ran into a couple of friends of mine here the other day in Lakes Country in Minnesota, and they really appreciated the fact that we've had estate planning attorneys on our on our show so that you could learn a little bit more and have a little more insight on how to how to set up your, your estate and, and your land and how you want that dispersed through your estate eventually and how you would like it to go to your heirs or if you wanted to donate part of it or whatever it might be. So again, all of that stuff, good to, good to know. But I uh, did have somebody just email me recently, uh, Becky in Minneapolis, wanted to know about the difference between an undivided interest and divided interest uh, ownership and land. And I'm glad that that question was presented to us by Becky in Minneapolis because uh, we deal with this every single day at Pfeiffer's, uh, whether it's through our land auctions or through our brokerage company, where a lot of our clients, there's going to be multiple owners. Very, It's very rare that it would only be one owner. For instance, uh, you might have uh, uh, a husband and a wife. Uh, you may have four or five or six or seven siblings that may own the land. And obviously, as you can understand where this conversation is going, that, you know, the more owners that you have, especially in an undivided interest, the more owners you have, that the more complications or the more conflict that potentially could rise out of a situation like that. So, again, I just kind of wanted to go through this. And the big difference, keep in mind now, that an undivided interest means that two or more persons basically have an interest in that farmland or that property that's held under the same title. So let's say, for instance, uh, you owned you owned a, a quarter of land. And a quarter of land normally is 160 acres, and there are four owners. So in an undivided interest, the four of you would each own 25% interest, right? So you would each own 25% interest in each acre because you have an undivided interest versus a divided interest because a a divided interest is basically this where you have divided the property that 160 acres and each person then each of the four would own their 25 percent so in this particular case they would own 40 acres so a lot of times through the course of estate planning a lot of attorneys and and again i'm not saying there is a right or wrong way there's a way that i prefer and and I think there's probably a way that attorneys prefer to do this. But uh, when you get into a situation where you have an undivided interest, it, it seems fair on the surface. And it like it likely is the fairest when it becomes 
to the point where if you are going to be gifting this or if you're going to be making sure that you want to be fair to all the beneficiaries in your life, that they all have an equal share or a very fair share in all of this property. So they have 25% interest in each acre. Well, if on the other hand, if you were to do a divided interest and one person got the northwest 40, one person got the northeast 40, one got the southwest 40, and one got the southeast 40 in that quarter, those 40 acres may not be alike. Uh, they may be different. So is that fair? Uh, so again, that is what has to be taken into consideration because in a quarter of land, well, a lot of times the quarter, the, the land is pretty similar throughout the entire 160 acres, but not always. So if you're going to divide that up four ways, then you would have to try and determine, okay, is the southwest quarter have equal value to the one in the southeast quarter versus the northwest quarter and the northeast quarter? So how are we going to do that? Let's say they are, let's say are they, they are distinctively different, for instance. Let's say the north half of that quarter is worth substantially more than the south half of that quarter, and we are in a divided interest. So then how do you treat the beneficiaries fair? Does one person then get 60 acres versus the 40 acres? So somebody would not get 40. They may get 20 if they got better land. So you get into that whole situation where you're trying to value then every acre. So it is easier in many in many instances for estate planning attorneys to go in and, and go into a situation where the heirs will have an undivided interest. So they all have that 25%. Or if there's five people, it's 20%. So it's, it's fairer that way. But here's what happens when you go down the road a couple of years. And let's say, for instance, a hypothetical situation, mom and dad pass away. And at the date of the last survivor then, uh, the land gets a new valuation. It passes on to the heirs. And they now, all four of these children, have an undivided interest. Let's say, for instance, three of those four would really like to sell. One of them doesn't want to sell. How are you going to sell farmland when only 75% of the owners want to sell it? Because now you are going to be in a situation where there aren't going to be many buyers out there, if any, who are only going to be able to buy 75% interest in this property. So it does present a little bit of a problem. And like I said earlier, it gets complicated. The more, sub, the more owners you have, the more likely for potential conflict because in life, a lot of things can happen. Some people may be in a good, sound financial situation and some may need the money. Some may have had, uh, maybe they had problems with their health or couldn't pay their health insurance premiums or maybe they lost their job. Versus the other sibling, maybe who has done really well, they haven't had any health issues, they've retired, they got a great retirement plan. Uh, they don't want to sell, but then the person with hardships may want to sell to get the money. So what do you do in a situation like that? Well, it does create a lot of issues in the undivided interest situation if you are not all able to agree. I think it's easier for people like me to kind of sit back and say, well, you know, in a situation like that, why don't we sell it at the auction? And whoever wants to buy it can buy it back, right? Because you can use your share, your interest as leverage to buy it back. And you could use that as a down payment on a loan to value to go out and purchase that property if you would like. It's not that easy though, is it? So again, this is a tough situation. I do personally prefer the divided interest 
because then if you are going to have a potential for conflict or if there is going to be an issue in the future where you think that, well, maybe some of the kids will want to sell and maybe one don't want to. Some are more sentimental about the farmland and some aren't. Some could care less. Some do care a lot. They don't really want to sell part of the family farm. So it, it makes it easier if, let's say, for instance, you had four quarters. You know, sibling A, you get this quarter. Sibling B, you get this quarter. Sibling C, you get this quarter. Sibling D, you get this quarter. Now what you've done is you've divided. That's a divided interest. Then each owner, each beneficiary, each sibling then can do whatever they would like with their quarter of land, with the 116, 160 acres that they own. Versus if, again, those four quarters were now in an undivided interest, and again, the f- same four siblings, one, three wanted to sell and one didn't, then we have an issue again. But it does require, if you're going to go into the divided interest, it does require trying to determine value and equality. And I always say to people, you know what, here's the deal when it comes to uh, whatever it might be, whether it's you're raising your children or you have employees or whatever it is, can you always treat people equally? I think it's really, really difficult. I think you can treat everybody fairly. You can be fair, but can you always be equal? Let's say, for instance, you give uh, this child, you pay for their college tuition and it's $20,000. Another one goes to a different college and that's $30,000 and you pay for that. Was it equal? No, but you treat them both fair. Absolutely, you treated them fair. You treated them very fairly, I think. And do you have to make it equal? Well, maybe not, always not. Now, in a situation when you're working on an estate or something, and there is a distinct difference between one valuation on one quarter of land and a valuation on another, well, then maybe it comes down to, okay, maybe this person gets 100 acres, this other person may get 180 acres, whatever it might be. But then that goes to the next step where you need to get a valuation. Now, those valuations, you can do that a number of different ways. You can you can have a broker's opinion, which we do at Pfeiffer's. You can do a farmland market valuation, which we do at Pfeiffer's. Or you can go get a general certified appraisal. Uh, that would probably be a very fair way to do it, too, if you'd like to do that. But then, of course, remember, you'd have to do that, make sure that's updated at the date of the last survivor's death, too. So, again, that, that whole process of thinking that all through needs, it needs to come into consideration when you're dividing out this land. So again, I prefer the divided interest if there's a way to do it fairly and being as close to being equal as you possibly can. I am a big fan of that, a big proponent. And another thing it does, which is probably the most important thing, it it prevents, it mitigates conflict with the siblings later on. Because as parents, all of us who are parents, we want our kids to get along when we're gone. We want them to be able to have good relationships. And then when you start figuring into the uh, situation conflicts and you have spouses and different things, you know, there could become issues with all of that. So you want to try to avoid that in the future. So again, divided interest versus undivided interest. But again, Becky, thank you for calling in. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Land Management for sponsoring our show. You can reach their farm land auctioneers and their equipment auctioneers and their farm real estate brokers and their farmland managers at 877-700-4099 or you can go to their website at pipers.com folks you're listening to america's land auctioneer i'm kevin piper we'll be right back after this break thousand dollar bid two thousand dollar where seventeen fifty dollar here now do so wait for seventeen hundred and fifty 
now one thousand dollars, another bid, and now one thousand. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Thank you all for being back with us here in segment number two. I'm alone in studio today, basically answering questions and emails that we've gotten from listeners over the course of the last couple of months. And uh, we just concluded our response to Becky about the difference between having an undivided and a divided interest in farmland. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of attorneys over the course of the last uh, 23 years since I've been doing this business and uh, the farm real estate business, whether we're selling or managing land or whatever it might be. And again, uh, you know, I'm not saying one is right over the other, but again, just to clarify that I think I have a preferred method, quite frankly, and I prefer the divided interest uh, because I'm all about, you know, building these relationships and preserving relationships and family, uh, families sticking together because we deal with so many situations where uh, families, uh, when mom and dad are gone, um, there's conflict. And sometimes the undivided interest can cause a little bit of a conflict because none of us know really for sure. I mean, a lot of us, our life could change tomorrow dramatically. We don't know what our lot in life is going to be today versus tomorrow. So again, I think a lot of that needs to be taken into consideration. And then, of course, you have the element of being fair and equal. I think it's very important to be as fair as you can to everybody. Do you always have to treat them equally? No, you don't. Um, you know, I've struggled with that as a father myself, dealing with my children, you know, and I've helped them pay, you know, their way through college and everything. And, and we did have a situation where, you know, one of our kids had a higher tuition than the other. But, you know, was that equal? No, of course not. It wasn't equal. Uh, you know, one went to school, or two went to school out of state. One went to school up at the University of North Dakota. North Dakota has reasonable tuition compared to other places. Now, was that equal? By no means was it equal. Was it fair? Absolutely it was fair. I think we need to remember that. Just remember that slogan. You can't treat everybody equally, but you can certainly treat them fairly. And I think that's really important. It's a good life lesson for a lot of us to learn as we go through this. You know, we had another question, you know, Mark uh, from Lisbon, North Dakota, had called in recently, and and he asked about farmland management. Uh, Mark recently inherited some farmland and was calling about farmland management and really had never really heard of it before. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's a service that, you know, obviously the Pfeiffer's organization provides. And and I can tell you, nobody does it better than the Pfeiffer group when it comes to managing farmland independently. But here's the way I look at it. You know, for a lot of you, you know, your single most valuable asset uh, is your home. Your primary residence would be your single uh, largest asset unless you're a farmer. Of course, then it might be farmland. And some of you either own farmland outright or you inherited it or whatever it might be. And now you're going, okay, how do I, how do I maximize the value on this? How do I be fair to my tenant? Uh, what is the best way for me to do that? And I kind of look at it this, from this perspective. Um, I'm a student of the financial markets. I, I like to, every morning, uh, uh, listen to as many uh, shows as I can, whether it's Bloomberg or Fox Business or whatever it might be. I just like to learn. I'm I'm a I'm a, just a sponge when it comes to all types of uh, financial data, trying to learn it. Uh, but you know, as much as I know about it, I'm not a person who can go out and you know pick my stocks or do day uh, stock trading or whatever it might be. I enjoy it a lot. I don't have time to do that, and I really don't, frankly, think I'd be very good at it because I'm not as analytical as a lot of people that are in that business. And I'm happy with the people that I have engaged to manage my investment portfolio. I think they do a tremendous job. We sit down and meet a couple of times a year and go through all of the strategies. And, you know, I think in in many cases, you know, farmland is very similar. 
uh, for many of you, farmland may be your biggest asset. You may have more value in your farmland than you do in your investment portfolio. And I think it needs to be treated as an asset class, very similar to if you own pharmaceutical stocks, energy stocks, technology stocks, or whatever it might be. So I think we need to pay attention to all of that so that we all have an understanding of, okay, this this asset, it is a an asset class, and it's very valuable. What should my rate of return be on it? And I would like to go through with you how I, I kind of look at that from maybe maybe a little bit different lens than a lot of people, maybe some uh, probably through the same lens. But I think it's really important that we look at it from a different different perspective than, than probably some of the more traditional investors in farmland. I like to look at farmland, obviously, as a net. Okay, what is my what is my net return? What is my return on equity, my return on my initial investment? For many of you, you probably inherited the land. So again, uh, ROI, ROE, how are you, how are you going to determine that? Now, when you look at appraisals in farmland, a lot of the capitalization rates, in other words, the return on that investment, basically is figured by this. It's that very simple formula. You have your gross farm income, gross farm income. So that would likely be your cash rent or unless you're getting a share crop. But, but for you know, simple purposes this morning, uh, let's just go with gross cash rent. You have your gross cash rent, and that is your income. Well, then you have your expenses. You have your property tax, which uh, you know is going to be your annual property tax. So you're gonna you're gonna have your gross rent minus property tax, minus your farm liability insurance. And you should have farm liability insurance. It's inexpensive insurance, and I would highly recommend that. Maybe you have a farmland management fee. Maybe you hire a firm like the Pfeiffer's organization, and you have that farmland management fee. And then you have your net income. Now you have your net income. Obviously, now now we're down to that net number. Divide that into our into what we think might be the market value. A lot of appraisers in this market, they're using anywhere from a 2.4 to about a 3.4, somewhere in there, capitalization rate. I've seen some as low as 2.4% this year. And I've seen some as high as 3.4%. Very rarely on farmland, do I see capitalization rates on appraisals that are going to be higher than that 3.4? See an awful lot in that 2.8%, probably more near 2.8% than I do see them in that 2.4. Sometimes you'll see them at 3.2 or whatever. So a good one would perhaps be, you know, like 3% or whatever that might be. So for simple math, what I do in a situation like that, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty simple formula. But let's say hypothetically, uh, you have you have a hundred dollars an acre cash rent. Let's let's use that hundred dollars an acre cash rent. Uh, let's say we're at seven dollars an acre uh, property taxes. Now we're down to ninety three. Let's say your farm liability insurance comes down to let's say it comes down to two dollars an acre. Now you're down to ninety one. Say your farmland management fee is five dollars an acre. Now now you're down. What are we down? Eighty six. So we're down to eighty six. So 86, if you divided that by 0.03, that puts the land value at 2866. So that puts you at $2,866 valuation on that farmland. So that's the way I figure it basically on a simple formula for capitalization rates and your investment on that. Now, getting to the point of the farmland manager. Okay, is what is that gross cash rent? I mean, that's, that's kind of the trump card here. 
Uh, we know what our property we know what our property tax is this year, and we pretty much know what it's going to be for the next year or two. We know what our farm liability insurance is going to be, and we know what adjusted with inflation where that'll be. The management fee, if you hire a firm like the Piper's Group, the Piper Group to manage your farmland, you know that's going to be a percent of the gross income. And like their argument is, we don't cost you money; we make you money. Uh, you know, obviously because. A lot of people don't understand, you know, okay, where should my, my rental rates be? And a, and a lot of farmers that I work with day in and day out, they prefer the farmland manager because now they're talking to somebody that fully understands the market. They fully understand the reason for crop rotation and the need for a two, three, four-year contract or whatever that might be to understand, you know, what from a farmer's perspective, even though the farmland manager does represent the landowner. So there, there is a place for that farmland manager. There, you know, basically what you want that farmland manager to do is you want to preserve that wealth. That's goal number one, preserve, preserve that asset. And you can do that in many different ways. You, you know, obviously the great farmers in the area, but you want a farmer uh, that's going to look at soil health, soil fertility. You want crop rotation and you want it done consistently and with integrity so that you can preserve that that soil health, that, that to you as a farmland owner is probably the single most important thing. So soil health. So again, keep that in mind. And we're going to revisit some of this in the third segment. I'm bumping up against the clock here on this segment here, folks, you're listening to America's land auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's land auctioneer. I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's auction and realty and Pfeiffer's farmland management for sponsoring our show and our podcast every single week. You can reach out to their farmland and equipment auctioneers, their farm real estate agents, and their farmland managers at 877-700-4099. Or you can email them at info at pifers.com. Nobody does it better than the group at Pifers. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. In it here now, I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna be on here now. Hope it's $500,000 bid. I'm in 500 Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I always say I got one of the best jobs in the world. I think I've been doing this 23 plus or minus years now. In 23 years, never had two days alike. So it's a lot of variety and a lot of dynamics. And uh, more importantly, I get to work with a great group of people over at Pfeiffer's every day. Nobody does it better than that group. Nobody has the passion that they have, which is, that's the exciting part. They love what they do. You know, talk about anywhere from their farmland auctioneers, their farmland managers, to the great staff in the corporate office, whether it's marketing and accounting or whatever. Uh, nobody does it better. It's uh, it's it's a good life when you can work with people that enjoy what they do. Uh, and, it, you know, I get to work with those farmland managers every day. And we were talking about some of the things uh, uh, that Mark from Lisbon had a question on earlier about the farmland manager and the role of that farmland manager. We're just about ready to wrap up that segment uh, with Mark there. And um, but he had just recently come into, into inheriting some farmland and wanted to know about the role of the farmland manager. And I think it's important that we all understand this, that even though the farmland manager, whether it's Pfeiffer's or somebody else, but the Pfeiffer organization, you know, they have a they, the veteran farmland managers there that fully understand American agriculture. Uh, but, you know, it, it's they're, they're a good facilitator between the farmland owner and the tenant. 
And a lot of farmers I talk to over the years, they prefer having a farmland manager because now they're dealing with somebody who has a grasp on it, much like your stockbroker would or whoever it might be. So, so that your asset class, that farmland is being managed the way it should be managed. And, you know, it's not all about being, you know, getting the highest cash rent that you possibly can. Yes, obviously you want to ha- you want to get market value on that cash rent, or you want to be in a situation in a crop share agreement that is fair and equitable if you possibly can uh, in the situation with you as the farmland owner and the tenant to make sure that everybody is treated fair and as equally as you possibly can in a situation like that. And, you know, we're not going to obviously get into all the details about a share crop agreement today, but, but the farmland manager in a particular case like this, you know, obviously uh, trying, trying to make sure that your return on your equity or return on your investment is fair. And like I said earlier, I said, you know, uh, they're not looking for five, six, seven percent returns. Uh, you know, you go into the commercial real estate environment today and, you know, you're looking at a lot of capitalization rates anywhere from five to ten percent. Uh, you invest in any of the regionally managed uh, REITs in this area, the real estate investment trusts. You know, a lot of them are paying quarterly and annual dividends anywhere from five to five and a half percent. Plus, you participate in the appreciated value of the stock portfolio and participate in the depreciation schedule on that portfolio. So again, your effective rate in those REITs sometimes can be anywhere from 12 to 15% as a shareholder. And by the way, 140 million households in America today own shares in REITs. 140 million. Now, a lot of them don't even know they own it because they own it in their 401k or, or in today's inflation, their 201k. <laughs> but uh, basically, the 401k or your reti- any other your retirement plans, your IRA, your Roth, or whatever it might be. So when, when you're looking at the difference here uh, on farmland, when the rates are lower, they are lower generally cash on cash returns are generally, they're generally in that three to three and a half percent is where you're basically going to find them. You're going to find them all day long from two and a half to three and a half percent. Now, is that a good return? Well, a lot of people may argue, though, it's not a very good return. I can get two to three times that in, in commercial real estate. But you have to look also at the appreciated value of that asset then. And then you have an asset that isn't subject to a lot of the volatility that other maybe real properties are, whether it's housing in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, or Phoenix, or Scottsdale, or Mesa, or somewhere in Texas, or wherever it might be, but they're not as subject to the whims of the market. Uh, because a lot of those, you know, obviously they're driven, they're driven by many, many other factors too. Uh, whether it's uh, out-migration from some of the larger city or maybe interest rates or whatever it might be. But we're going to talk about that in a little bit, too. But I want to get back to the farmland manager. I think it's important that the farmland manager looks at that asset, looks at that farmland. Okay, this is a strong asset class. I want to manage it properly. I want to be fair to the tenant, as fair as I possibly can, because the tenant obviously is in it. They're in it to make a, make money. They want to work in harmony with the farmland owner to protect the integrity of the soil, uh, preserve that soil health, put in a good crop rotation plan and get all that taken care of. And then this is something that as a farmland owner, you can pass on to generation after generation if it's done right. Okay, how do we determine that cash rent? We talked a little bit about how do we do that. And we got to create an element of fairness in there. Now you can also add different types of, you could do a flex uh, amendment to the plan where you know, obviously, if the farmer has a really good year, uh, let's say, for instance, uh, you know, their their yield is 15 bushel above the average yield. Uh, maybe you participate in part of that as a farmland owner. That's what they call it. That's part of a flex 
uh, rent agreement that goes on top of the cash rent. So again, uh, there's an element of, of fairness and equality there with the, the farm uh, tenant so that uh, obviously you can participate in, in any of those profits. Now, most farmers that I talk to as a tenant, uh, they certainly would they certainly uh, would prefer just the the outright cash rent if at all possible that's that is something that that they would like to have because then you're getting into a whole different complicated okay, I put in this much fertilizer uh, I, if I knew I was going to have to participate in in this, I probably wouldn't have put as much fertilizer in you know again, so you got all that to deal with i I prefer the pure cash rent too. everybody knows what they're going to the farmer knows what they're going to pay out in the spring. Uh, usually, you know, the middle of March or first April or whatever it might be. Sometimes it's a split cash rent half in the spring, half in the fall. The farmland owner knows exactly what they're going to get. They can do their budgeting. They know what their property taxes are, their farm liability insurance, their management fee. They hire the Pfeiffer's organization to manage it. But again, I think it's simpler that way. Uh, and then the other thing is that the farmland manager does that is probably the most difficult situation. Because a lot of farmland owners grew up in these communities. They may be related. They may be a cousin or an uncle or whatever it might be. There may be some sort of relationship there that they've had over the years. So now you got to go in and you got to negotiate that contract with a friend of yours that maybe you graduated with. You graduated together in high school. You were in the same class. Maybe you're lifelong friends or maybe it's your nephew. Maybe it's a cousin or whatever. Uh, the farmland manager steps in as a, you know, a third party, an independent third party to try and help you navigate through that. And there's never an interaction between the landowner and the tenant. It's all done by the farmland manager. The farmland manager is a skilled negotiator. It's skilled at, at um, representing you in this process, but then also trying to determine and ascertain what is important to the tenant too. What is the tenant looking for in this farm? And how can the tenant put together his or her farmland plan that makes sense so that they can improve and increase their profitability on their farm. You know, whether they're running cattle on grass, whatever it might be, or whether they're putting in wheat or soybeans or sugar beets or whatever it might be, you have to be able to take into consideration what that tenant is looking for. Look at their chemical application. Look at their soil health plan and all of that. So, you know, basically the farmland manager, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not a marketer and you're not an agronomist but you have a sense of what needs to be done there so that this can be a, a win-win situation can be created for both the farmland owner and the tenant. And that's what I think a good farmland manager does. They come in, they step in, and they do that very, very well. They're good communicators, they're good negotiators, but they understand, they understand that you know this is an asset that needs to be managed like an asset, but then they understand that the tenant needs to make their profit uh, year in and year out, and they need to know that, okay, I have a two-year pl- two plan or a three-year plan or whatever it might be so that I know I can fit this into my crop rotation. And now you could complicate that further, further if you're a farmland manager then, if you have irrigated land or if you take into the mix, you know, potatoes, for instance, or sugar beets because, again, they're a crop that, you know, uh, a little bit more intensity in some of that and a little bit more, uh, you know, obviously the, the dollar amount per acre and the input costs and that type of thing. Uh, but if you're managing farmland, for instance, and let's say uh, one of your tenants is a potato farmer, you know, they basically like to rotate those potatoes in and out minimum every three years, but a lot of times four or five years out. So again, that requires a significant footprint. So then you need to, need to take into consideration, okay, if we're going to have a thousand acres of potato ground, well, we need 5,000 acres total then uh, as a farmer, uh, so that I can rotate this in and out if I'm going to really preserve that soil health, mitigate diseases or whatever it might be. Because I can remember one time we had Gary Secor on. 
Gary Secor with uh, uh, NDSU. He's a plant pathologist, and he said, you know, at any given time, there's a hundred different things that can go wrong with the potato crop from when the day you, you buy the seed, you're storing the seed, you, you plant the seed, uh, you nurture it all year long, and then you harvest it, and then you store it again, and you ship it. There are about a hundred different things with diseases and everything else that could go wrong with that. So again, a lot of things to be taken into consideration because, you know, we all know one thing, uh, farming, if you're in farming, you're in the risk business. You're in the business of managing risk. And managing risk uh, uh, can be a challenge. And, you know, you don't want to be hamstrung. You don't want to be under uh, these uh, strict guidelines where you don't, you know, or you, you're thinking, oh, you know, my goodness, I'm going to lose this quarter land next year. I'm not going to have this 500 acres or whatever it might be. So and I think the farmland manager fully understands that. They have a grasp on that. At least the, the farmland managers at Pfeiffer's do. They fully understand that. They have a really good uh, understanding of what the, their client, the farmland owner, is looking for. But then they also have an understanding of what the tenant is looking for. And w- there's, there's always that opportunity to create that win-win situation between the farmland owner and the tenant. And, you know, it's all about building relationships. You know, relationships can go awry in a hurry if we aren't communicating. So it's all about communication and making sure that, that we do that and we do that professionally and with respect for one another so that we, everybody can uh, create in a situation, especially if you're in an up market, you know, like we are today. We really are in a strong up market on farmland values. And we are so in a, we've been in a pretty strong commodity market for the last year and a half. And uh, obviously, so all that does need to take into consideration. Folks, I'm up against the clock here again on our third segment. we got one segment to go. I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction of Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management for sponsoring our show and our podcast every week. You can listen to our podcast at Apple or Spotify, or you can get a hold of Pfeiffer's Farmland and Equipment Auctioneers, their farmland managers, or their real estate brokers at Pfeiffer's.com. Email them at info at Pfeiffer's.com or call them 877-700-4099. Nobody, nobody does it better than the group at Pfeiffer's. Folks, I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. We'll be right back after this break. Been the money getting into 35, and I have sold it to you right there. Good purchase. Great. Bye. Been on here now, fifty thousand dollar bid now, twenty five bid thirty. Alvin twenty five the bid on thirty and one thirty thousand dollars here now. They can begin now, thirty thousand dollar bid and hell five. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Want to thank all of you for joining us here on this beautiful Saturday morning on your favorite radio station, folks. I want to thank you for joining us every single way, week on uh, on the radio, and then also for going in and listen to our. Our podcasts every week, you can listen to those on Apple or Spotify. Just go to Pfeiffer's.com and click on to the radio banner on the Pfeiffer's website if you want to listen to any of our previous shows. You know, we didn't get to cover a whole lot of topics today because a lot of these, you know, again, you know, you and some of the rest of us, you know, we can give a course on on some of these items here if you'd like. You know, we talked earlier about how do you own farmland if you want to own it in the divided or an undivided interest. And I told you what my preferences were if I were to own it with siblings that, I'd, I'd rather own it in a divided interest. I think later on in life it becomes easier, especially if you get married and have families and you divide, you know, some people want to keep the farmland, some want to sell it. And if you can do that 
fairly, if you can be fair, and I talked about the difference between being fair and equal, if you can do that and be as equal, create as much equality in that division of property as you possibly can, then I think you've created a pretty good situation. And later on down the road, you can preserve those family relationships. You don't have that conflict or those hard feelings that that could come from that undivided interest where some want to sell and some don't want to sell. So again, if you, if you ever want to talk in depth about any of that, or if you want to have us refer you to any estate planning attorneys, we can do that. Like I said earlier, just call us at 877-700-4099 or email me personally at info at pipers.com. And I'll, I'll make sure that we can put you in touch with the right people. And I, I certainly want to thank Becky in Minneapolis for, for calling me last week and asking about that. And I thought it was something important that we should talk about on the air and also in our podcast. And then Mark called, or you know, Mark emailed earlier uh, this past week and wanted to know about farmland managers and the role of the farmland manager and how important a role they, they play today in American agriculture, uh, not just with investors owning farmland, but with farm families. And, you know, if you talk to anybody at the Pfeiffer organization that manages farmland, and by the way, they manage 200 and 30,000 acres of farmland throughout the region. You know, they'll, they'll tell you that a lot of their clients are retired farmers. They're retired farmers or they, maybe they, they farm for a number of years. Maybe, maybe it's a widow that owns it, uh, whoever it might be. And they're like, you know what? I don't want to have to deal with this. I don't want to have to go ne- negotiate the contract. I don't want to deal with my neighbors that, you know, that I like them all, but how do I pick a farmer and how do I do this to be fair to everybody? So that farmland manager can play a very important role. The farmland manager can help build relationships, can help help you create a farmland plan that will preserve that asset of yours into perpetuity so they have that legacy that you can pass on to future generations. So I think at the end of the day, that's what it becomes all about is really how do you certainly do that. So, folks, uh, you know, we are in our final segment today. So before, uh, before we get uh, through here, the final segment, I do want to talk about a couple of land auctions that Pfeiffer's had over the last uh, year here of note. You know, earlier this year, you know, I think you heard me talk about the, the land auction that we had up in the Pembina Hills and the Pembina Gorge up in northeastern North Dakota. Man, you drive up into that area if you've never been there and you drive through there, you're like, I don't, you don't even feel like you're in North Dakota. You feel like you're in the, in the mountains and the valleys of Montana and Colorado or whatever. Uh, so, again, it is really a distinct, unbelievably beautiful property, just uh, spectacular uh, white-tailed deer and elk and everything else up there. And that land auction actually earlier this year now went for $4,000 an acre, which was an all-time high up in that area. But just recently, this past week now, Pfeiffer's had a land auction in Ransom County, North Dakota. And I think a lot of you know where Ransom County is. It's south and a little bit west of Fargo. Uh, but the land is uh, basically, you know, it's it's breathtaking views of the Cheyenne River Valley uh, heavily wooded terrain, obviously with steep draws, you know, they basically becomes a hunter's or a sportsman's uh, paradise. But that land basically was just south and and east of Catherine, North Dakota, down in that uh, Standing Rock historic uh, site down in there. And just uh, unbelievable. But anyhow, that land set an all-time record down there for $7,500 an acre for 115 acres, 7500 Again, and that's public knowledge because it was a public auction, a live auction, and a simulcast internet auction by Pfeiffer's. And uh, Darren Peterson, Pfeiffer's main agent out of Steel, North Dakota, managed that along with Steve Lincoln, Kevin Pfeiffer, myself. So, again, something to take note of. Uh, but, again, uh, spectacular property, really kind of one-of-a-kind property property that that we were able to sell and then some unbelievable properties coming up here uh the balance of the year and i kind of look at the portfolio and see what's coming up here 
you know, over in the Minnesota side of the river. And I always say that, you know, if you're looking for good farmland, you know, there's, there's a lot of it in our country. Uh, you know, Minnesota and North Dakota combined uh, close to 100 million acres of farmland. Uh, pretty strong. Most of it, I'd say, to, you know, a large share of it cropland, but also pasture land and, and grazing land and that type of thing. But the two states, uh, and then you, you throw in South Dakota at another 40 million acres. Uh, so in the tri-state area, just look at all the farmland that we have. But, you know, of note, uh, the Pfeiffer's group has the big farm auction now coming up in Norman and Polk counties in Minnesota and also in Clay County. Uh, big sale up in near Trail, Minnesota, and another one over by Eda, Minnesota, and then a really nice uh, farmland auction over by Downer, Minnesota, suitable for corn, soybeans, sugar beets, sunflowers, wheat and barley, and that type of thing. So a lot of soil productivity indexes well into the well into the 80s and 90s. And, and just a reminder, too, if you're looking at buying farmland, buy farmland that's good farmland. There's no future in marginal land. There is a future in good land. Buy farmland that has predominantly Class two and Class three soils. You know, a lot of the loamy soils in our part of the country are exceptionally good for diversity, raising a variety of different crops. You can raise, uh, you can raise basically uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, barley, canola, sunflowers, whatever it might be. Now, to raise sugar beets, obviously, you need a little bit heavier soil, but potatoes, for instance, they love the loamy, even the fine sandy loam soil, uh, easier for cleaning and that type of thing, and then also for irrigation. So when you're looking at these, make sure that you have some of that, and it could be the Barnsway loam, the, the Wheatville loam, or the Glendon loam, or whatever it might be. But you know, these land auctions coming up in Norman, Polk, and Clay counties, uh, they seem to have it all. And then uh, the Pfeiffer Group is going to be selling a really nice 160-acre farm in, in Richland. And I wanted to talk about this here just a little bit because the neat thing about this farm is, and one thing I think it's of note, you know, when you look at the weighted average on the soil productivity index, which is the valuation of all the soils, it's a 71.5. Now you might look at it and say, geez, I want to buy soil that's in the high seventies or low eighties. Well, keep in mind this farm at one time in the late eighties, in the late eighties, won the North Dakota soybean yield contest and the North Dakota corn yield contest. 179 bushels of corn and 67 bushels of soybeans on this farm, on this 160-acre farm. So it's not always about the high soil productivity number. It's about the soil itself. And on this one here, it had a lot of loamy soils, lots of loamy soils. It had some of the Matador uh, and Heckless uh, loam soils, the, the Delamere, Winemere uh, loamy soils. So a lot of those class two and three soils that are really good for raising corn, soybeans, wheat, canola, sunflowers, and those types of things. So when I look at that and I go 71.5, well, that's not the best of the best, but you know, really in reality, it basically comes down to, it comes down to application of, uh, of how you're going to farm that land. How are you going to farm it? How are you, what are you going to put in for rotation? How are you going to preserve that, that soil health and that type of thing? So again, that, that, that is really, really important. And you know, at Pfeiffer's, we teach people a lot about, uh, the soils, the different types of soils, the, uh, the soil fertility and those type of things. We stress that as much as we possibly can. But, you know, a lot of other things to be taken into consideration too. And and I think it's important that, you know, the soil health be primary in just about everything you do when it comes to your farm and preserving your farm, not only for you and your family, but for future generations. And pass that legacy if you, on if you want. Or if you're going to sell your land. If you're going to sell your land through Pfeiffer's or whoever it might be, you're going to sell that land. You want to sell land that's good land. And you want to sell land that you took good pride in, great pride in, and you took care of it over all of the years. 
Folks, I'm really up against the clock again today. You're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. Before I sign off today again, I just want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management for sponsoring our show every week here on your favorite radio station and our podcast at, at Spotify and Apple. You can reach the Pfeiffer's Farmland Managers, their farmland and equipment auctioneers, their farm real estate agents and brokers by calling them at 877 877- 700-4099. Go to their website at pifers.com and look at their entire team. And uh, there's a bio on each one of them and get a hold of them if you'd like. Or you can email them at info at pifers.com. Nobody, n- nobody does it better than the group at Pifers, whether they're selling or managing your farmland. Folks, I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank you for being with us. I look forward to being with you next week on America's Land Auctioneer. 